Doomsday. <laughs> yeah, Captain's Log. Captain's Log. Day seven. Day <laughs> forty billion. Hello and welcome to this special series of the Notorious Pedagogues, highlighting our students in their book club groups from spring 2020. In this episode, we join Enya, Hannah, Helena, and Lindsay to discuss Love, Hate, and Other Filters by Samira Ahmed. Okay, so we'd like to get started. Um, you've read Love, Hate, and Other Filters, um, and we just want to get started if someone can summarize the book. So for the summary, we wrote up a little summary. Uh, the novel centers around Maya, a 17-year-old Muslim, Indian, and American girl with a love for film as she navigates first love, college plans, overprotective parents, and growing racial tensions in her local community. The central conflict revolves around whether um, where she decides to go to college and the racial tensions uh, in her community after um, an incident happens involving a Muslim or perceived Muslim. Story gets complicated from there. Now you know that these episodes are coming in a series for the Notorious Pedagogues that are focused on a number of different kinds of literacies. Uh, your text in particular, we're going to ask that uh, will be highlighted on visual literacy. So the very first question we want to jump into is how Love, Hate, and Other Filters highlights uh, and helps expand your future students' visual literacies. There isn't a ton of like description of characters and settings and things like that, but um, there's definitely a way that we could teach this novel to expand visual literacy. Um, so mostly talking about symbols in the book, because there are a few symbols that um, are repetitive and come up a lot in the book and symbolize a lot. So kind of using those symbols in a lesson plan um, where those symbols are visually represented and then students can talk about what they mean and how they play a role in the book, um, things like that. Can you say more about what in particular those symbols are? Just a little bit Yeah. More? Yeah, so um, show there's a big um, aspect of rebellion in the book, and one of the ways in which Maya, the main character, rebels is she wears this red bikini when she goes on a date with um, this boy. And so that's a big deal because she wouldn't normally be allowed to wear a swimsuit like that. Um, and then there is also, um, like we mentioned before, that the main character is very into film and movies and making films. So the camera is another big symbol that we would talk about. Um, and also the um, where her and this boy um, spend time together. His name is Phil, I believe if I'm remembering correctly. They go to this cabin um, by a pond and that's a place where they both kind of escape from the world and where they connect with each other. So that's another big symbol. Um, yeah, I feel like those are kind of like maybe the three main ones. There's definitely other ones that are important. Like there is a terrorist attack that's in the book. So you kind of pull a symbol of like um, an American flag or something that would evoke something like that. Um, there's an Indian wedding that occurs in the very beginning of the book and weddings continue to be a theme. So things about weddings, um, stuff like that. Okay, so I think um, specifically we want to know a little bit more about um, 
the camera itself and, you know, thinking about just often we are taking photographs, thinking about social media that is so focused on visual literacy, especially something like Instagram. Um, and so for her, it's an actual camera. It's not just the camera on her phone, but um, how does that interplay with visual literacy and, you know, composition and lens. I mean, even sort of playing with those words um, in terms of how we see the world, right? So um, let's just talk about that for a little bit, the symbol of the camera itself and just how um, for her, it's, it's a lens and a filter. Okay. Yeah, I think if we're talking about um, like lenses, especially if we're teaching like, um, higher grade like high school um I know that when I was taught to read stuff with a certain lens like you have the feminist lens and you have the Marxist lens and all that kind of stuff so I feel like Amaya like sees the world um is through a certain lens and then we as the readers have ways of looking at the text with different lenses I think um it's especially important because right in the beginning of the book she has her camera they set it up that we are aware that this is going to be about what she sees, how she wants to see it, and what she thinks, I guess, other people see. Um, so, for example, she is filming the wedding. And I know there's a lot of issues with her parents saying, um, like, oh, it's just for fun. Like, she's just doing it for fun. Like, while she has that aunt that really pushes her to, like, be herself. Um but you you see that the camera is actually one of the main conflicts because what she wants to go to school for and like what she wants to do in in school revolves around this film and this camera and everything that she wants to do for her creative side but her parents aren't letting her have that reality they don't want her to have that reality they want something more for her because of the culture how she was raised their expectations um and stuff like that we actually wrote about in the doc earlier when we were discussing the questions is that another symbol of the camera interacting with the visual literacy is that it's not just like it's like from a different perspective it's not that it's just the lens but it's in the book it's also something she uses to hide behind and it's really something she puts kind of as a upfront it's a way for her to be a part of something without actually having to take part in it which is a theme that continues throughout the novel that I think is really important. I think it's also um, especially important because a lot of the major situations that happen in the book she gets on film so i don't want to ruin the book or like do any spoilers but there's one very important scene that involves um an attack with a boy and without her film they wouldn't have been able to figure out what actually happened so i think that that was just a confirmation like that one incident is just one confirmation out of all of them that the camera plays an essential role in what happens in the book how it transpires and why things happen the way they did yeah and i think our follow-up question to that um you know is how do you make these connections explicit for your students, right? So for those high school students, how do you help them unpack the idea of the lens and, you know, some might say distortion, right? Um, if we think in terms of, um, you know, if you've seen the memes, like here's the reality, but then here's what gets posted on social media. So um, for her, she's not distorting it, obviously, um, especially the attack scene. But, um, you know, how, how do we 
help our students make those connections and how do we sort of shift our instruction here to be very explicit with high school students who may not have as much experience with the different lenses like Enya was um, mentioning. Um, you know, how do we help push their analysis of this text? I think talking about it explicitly, um, like just directly saying like, here's one way you can view the book, here's one lens you can view the book through. Um, I feel like sometimes especially in high school, teachers tend to kind of want to bring up things in a more like subtle way, like not want to talk about things explicitly, especially because the book has a lot to do with racial issues. And so that's maybe some, something some teachers might kind of want to stray away from. Um, so one thing that um, us as a group discussed a lot about is how to uh, talk about those like big issues. Um, and I think uh, like talking about like different lenses, I tend to think about how different characters in the book, how their perspectives interact in the book and how every character has a different perspective. Um, like for example, her parents feel that um, Maya will be unsafe if she goes to the college that she wants to go to. Um, but Maya feels differently that she knows that she can handle things on her own. So um, those are just two, an example of two different perspectives. So um, I think one way to think about those unique points of view, it would be an activity like um, interviewing a character, like asking them questions about things that happen in the book and kind of um, that's an activity that I use in my lesson plan. Um, things like that and kind of, a, or writing an essay or writing a story from the point of view of a character in the book um, maybe like, you know, since the narrator is Maya writing a part of the story from the point of view of the parents, from the point of view of the aunt, from the point of view of the boyfriend, um, those kinds of things. I'm not sure if that was exactly the question. I, I think I got a little off topic there, but. You know what I think could be important? And this is just, just an idea that just came to my head. My brother loved filming stuff when he was in high school. It was his favorite thing in the world. Now we can look back and we can watch those things. And we see a world of his own, even though we're in the same household, same family. We just saw things so differently. So I think even maybe like a future project that we can give our students is if, if you have a camera or if you don't, you can write it down, but just write what you see or take pictures of what you see and like what you think expresses who you are and how you live. Um, so I think that really implementing a project or something of that nature that's fun, creative, they have freedom to do what they want. Um, I think that would be a really good way to go about teaching the students about symbolism with the camera. I was actually going to say something, something similar to like what Helena was saying, like if we could assign students like just an introductory kind of assignment where you take pictures or videos or, you know, like write stuff down. I think that that would be a really good idea of um, preparing them to read this book. In another one of my classes that I teach, because Dr. Schmidt and I teach WRH325 just for secondary English education majors, but I teach a version of this for all other subject areas, for, or from elementary through secondary, history, all the way through math, all those people, I end up teaching a version of this class. And their lesson for today, or for this week, I should say, is a focus on the, just this topic, actually. So it's kind of serendipitous. Um, I talked to them today about Instagram and the abilities of teachers to use a tool like Instagram to use it not only in your classroom, but as a way to connect with each other 
right? And then I challenge them today for, for today. And then I'll teach this again on Thursday. How might you be really explicit about using photography uh, and images in a lesson that you're planning? And this is what you got. It's very interesting that this is what we're talking about now, because I was helping them think through how they might use this. Um, we've all got these lovely devices in our pockets, right? That now can, that like you were sharing about uh, connecting a very different experience, looking at your brother's life through his videos or through his, his, through that lens, through his perspective. Um, I think it's an overlooked area of literacy that we don't spend as much time looking at this visual aspect of how often, especially in these times when we're separate and apart from each other, this is all we have to connect, right? We don't have the physical right now. Um, but I get daily, uh, photos and videos of my nieces and nephews. So I know what's going on in their life. Right. And that means something now a little bit more than it did a month ago. So that's why I'm really intrigued about how you're making, as you're discussing about making this real for students and having this book be the common touch point and this metaphor, this symbol of the camera. I think also if we wanted to do like a, like a pre-lesson or something for the book, maybe giving them an image that is like well-known or not so well-known and having them jot down their ideas of what's going on in the picture um, and then having them share what their ideas are. And not everyone's idea is going to be the same. Like my friend um, has a project she's doing where she's asking people to listen to a certain song. It's the judge by 21 pilots and have her or let her know what they first picture song. And everyone is having such different ideas, like, and I feel like that would be a really good idea and like way to segue into discussing lens and perspective as well. You know, I think there's, there's underlying stories and there's underlying pictures, or sorry, underlying stories and underlying themes in each picture. You could see a picture of someone looking so happy and there's actually so much more going on. And that's probably what a lot of students are going to be going through. We're talking about teenagers that are going through a lot of emotional issues, like issues and figuring out who they are. Um, and I even know like sometimes going through pictures, it's very bittersweet. I, I have like 14,000 pictures on my phone that I can't delete because I just want to hold on to those memories. And I think a lot of students like even like myself, we took those pictures as a way to remember. So not only is it to tell a story, but it, it's to remember. It's to let people remember what they were feeling, how are they feeling, and who was there with them. So to add on to that, um, from my own experience in high school, I was in photography class. We did a lot of assignments where this was something my teacher did. It was like we would go to uh, the local like Goodwill, Goodwill store and grab little objects. And then we would take pictures based off of emotions or descriptions she gave us. So she would give us like a little envelope and it would say like uh, sad on it or like frightening or like um, nightmare or something. And you'd have to get a really cool shot using that kind of filter. And I feel like that's definitely something that could be implemented in even the English classroom. I mean, this is, it is a type of literacy, this art form. And I think it's it showing that is a different idea, this different perspective that uh, every little thing could look different to a different person because it's through our own eyes. Yeah, I think that that definitely helps us think about visual literacy, right? Um, 
I think in this book, Ahmed gives us the camera and then we can think about that and, you know, maybe work that into a final project for students um, to really scaffold and have them think about their own lives, right? What, what lens do they see the world from or through? Um, do they maybe in some ways like Maya hide behind a camera, right? Um, and so I think there's a lot here that students would be able to unpack. Um, I think I talked to your group a little bit about this as well, but this text in particular, more than I think a lot of the other books, raised some challenges surrounding race um, during class discussions. Um, and for a lot of people, we are afraid to talk about it. Um, but how do you think, or how will you think about planning to teach this text while being aware of these challenges? Um, so instead of um, being reactive, how, how are you thinking in terms of proactive approaches to this particular text? Yeah, so um, I'm actually, I've taken um, a couple literature courses that revolve around racism and race and issues in America. It's something I'm very passionate about. Um, though I am just a white ally, I have worked on how to implement this without causing like a stir up or anything like that. And I think that it's important. There's a, there's a couple things that you need to think about. First of all, who do you have in your classroom? You don't always know who you have in your classroom. You don't know what people have gone through or what they've been through. So you want to talk about empathy a lot, like express, not talk about it, but more so be the learner. Learn from your students and learn from their experiences if they feel comfortable sharing it with you. Um, I think for this, this book in particular, teaching it to students, we can do a privilege walk, which is like you step over a line. So you say, take a step forward if, take a step forward if. That would be one option. Um, I think you're definitely going to have to talk about terrorism. Um, you're going to talk about the misconceptions between um, religious and ethnic groups. Um, and I think that another thing would be going over um, protest signs that we've seen at marches or at rallies to talk about race and like opinions and let make sure everybody gets their opinion in on what they think without it being harmful to those around them. There's an article and I'll find it. Um, I'm 90% I'm sure it's from Teaching Tolerance. Um, and it addresses the privilege walk and it takes the stance that the privilege walk is one piece of a bigger puzzle that in some cases if it's not done as a part of a larger curriculum anti-racist curriculum um, that it really just highlights the privilege of some without acknowledging the struggles of others. Um, and I think, I can't remember who said it, but someone said, well, what if you had an object and you know everybody in the room writes about their perspective, right? Um, and how do you, so like the song, right? And yeah, you mentioned the song. So you're hearing the song, what do you take from it? Here's an object, what do you see when you look at this object, right? Or here's a, a painting or picture, whatever. Um, and so I think we wanna be 
careful with that privilege walk, right? That we're not, um, I mean, some pieces of privilege, right? You're born a certain way, you're born into certain things, right? And so you don't want to isolate people who happen to be born into certain pieces of privilege, right? And at the same time, you don't want to have, you know, just one token student feeling awkward that they're way in the back of the room, right? Um, when if, if it's a moving forward kind of a thing. So just something to think about. And I'll, if I find the link to that article, I'll just drop it into your, your Google Doc. Just something to think about. Um, it's a good place to start, but it's not the, the only piece, right? Um, anyone else in, in terms of the ambiguity in the text, I think, um, and, and just how might you think about that uh, informing your pedagogy and, and how you're preparing to teach this book? Uh, I have another piece about the race one that I think is yes. important. I think that, of course, while ra racial identity is really important and every person experiences that in some way, it's, I feel like, especially in the English classroom, because we don't really talk about this in like even the history classroom, um, discussing the historical roots of race and that a lot of it boils down to a social construct and that it's not the end all be all really. It's not like the, it's people, scientists have found that there's no real like genetic code that's like, oh, this makes you white or this makes you black. It very much is all about just a social construct that was made. So I don't think, it should be stressed that um, it's not this, it's not a divider really. And I think that's something that needs to be said when you present the book. Welcome back. We are just coming back from our conversation with the Love, Hate, and Other Filters group. So what I liked about this conversation is that they did pay attention to the symbols in literature and they framed that visual literacy approach nicely in their lesson plans. Um, I think that they were very thoughtful in um, not just seeing this book in the hands of teenagers, but seeing this book um, within the context of a high school classroom. And I think what really impressed me is that they did acknowledge the challenges that could come up in talking about um, race as one of the um, key concepts or, or key conflicts in the text and that they were open to asking questions and saying, you know, well, how do we move through these conversations in our classroom? And so then we offered up, you know, a few resources off the top of our head in the moment. Exactly. This is one of the groups that we recommended uh, that they needed to go through a couple of drafts of their edits. And one of the reasons why is because we actually got into talking about additional resources that, to share to deal with these issues uh, in future classrooms. And we actually advised them to take that portion out so that they would, could meet the, the requirement for this assignment. So we talked about a couple of resources. The one that I advocated is the uh, Seeing White podcast, I believe is the title. And I'm happy to go pull the link and drop it into uh, the show notes for this episode. It's done out of the storytelling unit at Duke University. 
And it has been such a powerful podcast that I've shared with multiple students, multiple friends, family. This becomes uh, a great topic, a great resource for us to really engage with the um, with the topic of race, especially being white. We also mentioned Ibram X. Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, along with the book Stamped that he wrote with Jason Reynolds for young people. And we recommended that our students check out the Teaching Tolerance website and uh, Matthew Kay's text, Not Light But Fire. I really appreciated this group's uh, bringing in examples from their own lesson plans. I really just enjoyed this group and, and getting to talk to them about love, hate, and other filters and really unpacking not only what can be a challenging topic in the classroom, the secondary classroom, but also looking at it through that lens of visual literacy. Thank you for listening to this episode in our book club series. Stay tuned for more episodes with our students from the spring 2020 semester.